Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RC Flame Lab podcast. I'm Ron. I'm Tom. And I'm Dave. Hi, guys. Hello. How are we doing tonight, guys? Good. <laughs> Out of practice. Ron is just full of it this evening. I am. I have nothing. Very quiet. I have nothing to talk about. This is. I'm going to sit back and watch, listen, whatever you guys. Well, you'll be talk. watching. But I our listeners will hopefully be listening. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. That is the goal for that people is, to listen to the goofy things we talk about. The hope, the plan, the dream, the yeah, all of that. So it's new. Well, I've been working on the biplane. I uh, got uh, a slow progress for to be honest, I'm That's cuz like, there's too many wings. Well, it, yeah. There's a lot of I wouldn't say there's too many. There's a lot of wings. There's four. What? Four panels. Oh. And each one has its own servo and linkage. So it's kind of like each... Yeah, it's kind of like four separate ones. Four, yeah. Too many. One many. But the, I don't know. I can't really... I Maybe it's the wings. I don't know. It's just going really slow for some reason. You're savoring it. Maybe. That, that could very well be. But I mean, like, now that I'm home and I'm kind of back in the swing of things, I've got like a whole stack of projects, you know, waiting for me to finish this one so I can start... You know what I mean? The next one? I don't know. And Just, you're back to work now, too. Yeah. Kind of sucks. It, it does, <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> I really, really did enjoy my time off. Uh, it just went by way too fast. Always does. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, making steady progress on the, bi- on the biplane, hoping... And what is the biplane? I'm sorry. It's a double vision. Uh, it was made by uh, Chip Hyde's company, whatever that was. I guess it was just called Chip Hyde, actually. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a cool looking pattern, kind of a, it reminds me of an ultimate, the, the shape. It's got a very ultimate-ish. But yeah. long for an ultimate, right? It's, yeah, it's very long. It seems yeah, long, 50, smooth. 50 inch extensions for the, for the elevator servos. So those are some long extensions. Not 48. No, not 48, 50. Does it call for 50? It calls just, for 50. Yeah. The, the really common ones. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I'm not sure that the two extra inches would make or break the model, but yeah. You just have to move your receiver just back a little bit? Just have to move the receiver, yeah. Or the servos. I can cut new holes in the side of the fuselage, I suppose, and move the servos if I had to. So what what engine and stuff is this? Like what uh, is there plenty? So this is a 50cc. I don't know. I forget the wingspan, um, but I'm putting a DLE 55 RA in it, nice. uh, so which increases the length even more because if you know anything about DLEs and things like that, they put the exhaust on the back along with the carburetor. So, hence the RA rear. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was thinking RE when I said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Move on. Um, but at any rate, yeah, it's uh, so it'll be the uh, biggest if you don't count. Well, I guess, see, here we go with the, the what makes biggest again, right? It's not necessarily wingspan because... There's two of them. In that regard, the Cub takes takes honors, at my house anyway, in my hangar, as the the biggest wingspan. But this is a physically, a, this airplane takes up a lot of space when it's assembled. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big boxy. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like you said, a long fuselage, so it takes up all of my building table. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's what I've been working on. Dave? <laughs> Nothing nearly that nice. Uh, I've ended up getting a really uh, good deal on a foam 
Cardinal of all things. Actual oh, you mean Cardinal. like a Cessna 172 Cardinal, something like that? <laughs> sure. No. <laughs> Cardinal. Oh, like, <laughs> like the bird. No, like Northern. Okay, Cardinal. like the bird. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, very, very similar to my Golden Eagle, not Golden Eagle, Bald Eagle I've got. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be a Jeep. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Actually, that's a cool airplane. I, I've flown. I've had the pleasure of flying your Bald Eagle. But that sounds dirty. <laughs> that sounds, so weird. That sounds, that sounds weird. awful. I um, too have flown his bald eagle. <laughs> uh, flies good though. Actually, they are great flying aircraft. Yeah. Spectacular. This so you, is the same wing with a slightly different fuselage. Okay, uh, it was on sale, super super cheap, and we got it uh, for a uh, combat aircraft that I don't care if it comes home or not. Yes. So full contact combat with a cardinal. Yes, that'll be good. Joe Nall. So 2024. The only issue I see with that is the front propeller. Yeah, that's a little concerning. But it is so hard <laughs> yeah. to hit an airplane. The actual odds of hitting just, someone. Just yeah. period. Just just hitting an airplane, but then to also aim for the nose. Eh. But I, I if yeah. I know. But if it is, it is. Yeah. We'll see. So, so Dave, by the way, is now signed up for Joe Null. Yeah. Yep, and I got approval for time off from work, so we are oh, probably should have done yeah. that first. <laughs> oh well, yeah. No. That pro- oh, I haven't done that yet either. I I did. I better when I got home last year. Yeah, I'll get it done. I not know. a problem. They won't care. Mm-mm. I hope not. They won't. Okay. Mother's it's Mother's Day weekend, right? It's always like around Mother's Day. Yeah, I think so. I don't remember if it's the first or second day is or first or second weekend is Mother's Day, but yeah, yeah, I think it's the first. So it's not on a drill weekend, so I'm. Not only did I buy one of these things, I bought two. Daniel. Daniel's got one, too. <laughs> yes. That's fun. I got to figure out, like, what I'm doing with the with the whole spending freeze in the Dale household because of the automotive issues we've been having. You going to talk about that or not? Um, sure. You breached the subject. That's yeah. That's the only reason I brought it up. Yeah. So my primary, well, my only vehicle at the time. Um, Went poo-poo? Yeah. So BMW had a better idea to make their timing chain guides out of plastic. And over time, plastic breaks down into smaller pieces of plastic. And these plastic pieces trickle their way down into the oil pan and block off the oil pickup screen and starves the engine of oil, which is bad. Oil is, like, important to an engine. Seems to be. Yeah. But this has been going on for, like, a long time. Well, apparently... Progressively gotten worse. Apparently, yeah. So... The first, looking back now, the first indicator was at Joe Nall last year when we got that weird drive. Well, actually, I take that back. We got it once on the way to Toledo, right? We were pulling a trailer. Remember. I don't remember Toledo. Yeah, we were pulling a trailer, pulling out of a gas station, and it did the whole drivetrain malfunction and limp mode, and shut it off, turn it back on, and everything's fine. It did it once then. Never did it again until Joe Nall when it did it at Joe Nall for us. And then, uh, yeah, and then sporadically. So only when you're far away is apparently right. the only well, it did it, problem. Yeah, it, it had done it at home after that. But um, and the the only indication in the in the driver's compartment was the a yellow, and this is important to note, a yellow check engine light or a warning light, and then a message on the little display that says, you know, drivetrain malfunction. Go check it out at the service place or whatever. <clears throat> Well, what really made me decide to finally have it diagnosed by 
the BMW techs here in town was I got a red on the way home from your place one night. I got a, or on the way out here, I forget which, got a red warning on the light that said low oil pressure or on the dash that said low oil pressure. So that was when I was like, okay, these must be tied together. Starting to get serious now. Starting to get serious. I better pay the $150 to have BMW here in town look at it. Um, and then, yeah, when they looked at it, of course, they are able to hook up their computer and go back and read all the <clears throat> all the previous warnings, which were low oil pressure warnings, even though the dash didn't tell me that that's what they were. That would have been nice, by the way. Yeah. Um, who and needs, it's, who it, needs oil pressure? Right. <laughs> and it's important to note I don't. that when I was getting those error messages, while the engine was warmed up and running... Mm-hmm. Not a not a not a weird sound from under the hood. No clicking. No, no clattering. Knocking. No, no, no clattering. Nothing. Yeah. Only at startup. Occasionally, would I get the noise. Ron, you said you heard it one night. Yeah. When I left here, that was the only indication that there was anything ever really truly going wrong. It reminded me of my Audi before it shot the. Yours rapper. actually broke the timing chain. I think didn't it? I think it might have skipped it. Oh, okay. I don't know because see, I, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. So, so it started making the, the lifter noise yeah. as soon as you started yep. it. Yep. It went away after three seconds, four yep. seconds. Exactly. You're fine. Yep. That's, so that's exactly what it was doing here Yep. before I parked it. Yeah. Um, no knocking, no in, no sounds coming from the bottom end of the engine at all. You know, usually a, you'll, you can hear rod knock. I mean, it's usually pretty obvious, pretty obvious what that is. And there, I, I'm not getting that noise. So the hope is that, uh, oh, by the way. BMW here in town, uh, they sent me this really nice video. The technician, um, you know, they changed the oil while they had it, you know, had it in there, which was nice of them because they had to drain the oil to check it for, you know, metal pieces or plastic. And they also also took the oil filter. It's a cartridge on my BMW. It's not like a spin-on filter. It's actually just a cartridge. So they took that out. On the Audi. Yep, and I took that out and spread it apart. And you could actually see the plastic pieces in the folds of the oil filter. Um, so they sent me a cool video. You know, the technician is running down all the things that are wrong with it. Yeah, we noticed you got some oil leaks, and it uh, looks like, you know, you got some uh, plastic bits. If you look here and they zoom in on the oil filter, and you can see the little white plastic bits in the oil filter screen material. Uh, yeah, and it looks like, you know, reading back through the computer says you've got a, a few instances of uh, low oil pressure warnings. And um, so, you know, add, adding all this together, it looks like it's uh, probably time for a new engine. And uh, that would be our <laughs> recommend. Just like just like he was saying, oh, yeah, you need an oil change. Oh, no, it's, oh, yeah, you need a new engine and a new turbo also because the turbo is fed by the oil, you know, that goes through the engine. and oil, Or metal in the oil is bad for the turbo, too, just like it is an engine. But the... But the calm and like nonchalantness of no them saying, yeah, yeah, you need a new engine. No, no big deal. So when I went to pick the car up, they had a quote for me, an estimate of, you know, a new engine, new turbo and all the labor. $18,000. $18,000 for a brand new engine and turbo and the install. The car is worth about 7000 <laughs> maybe. So, oh, well, not right now, but right, right. <clears throat> so I politely told them, thank you, but no, thank you. I can't afford that. Go pound sand. Uh, no, I didn't. It's not their fault. Right. I mean, it's, it's the engineer's it, fault. Well, I mean, the car has 130,000 miles on it. Which I mean, that's nothing, by the way, that's should be nothing. Um, 
So if I fault anybody, it's BMW engineers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not Isringhausen's fault that it no. cost $18,000. Well, I think that of. quote, honestly, I think that is their, we don't really want to do this job <laughs> exactly. quote, but if you're fool enough to pay us $18,000, it, it's we'll money. Do it. We'll do it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That was my, but then when I looked online, I kind of did a little sleuthing online and I guess that's about the going rate because I saw lots of other people with the same issue, weird, hmm. uh, that had engine replacement quotes from their dealers at about, they ranged from like fourteen grand to 21000 for a new engine in a car that's hmm. almost 10 years old now. Yeah. So, so what uh, is that one then? It's a 14. That is just, that is so, yeah. that is way too new I, for anything like that to be I, going on. And it's German. And the German engineers are supposed to be, oh, German engineers, you know, that's so great. But anyway, so we're not on here to, to, what's that? No, I, we're not. You're right. But let me ask you this. Are you sworn off of BMWs now? I'm going to say no. Um, okay. Yes, they are very expensive to work on. Um, but if you buy a brand new one, which I'll never do because I can't afford a brand new BMW, even their bottom of the line, um, you'll get that, that warranty in if you keep up with the maintenance through the BMW dealership, stuff like this, they will help you out with. And by help you out, I mean uh, BMW somehow, the way I read it online is they will sort of subsidize, if you will, the, the parts if you have a BMW dealer put them on. Does that make sense? So yeah, an $18,000 do- so $18, job turns into maybe a $10,000 job, which is still ridiculous for the Too much. price of this or for the yeah. value of this car. But, um, but I, do, I like the car. Like I really like when I. It was a nice car. It still is a nice car. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just, I'm just gonna say. Well, what I did. What, well, let me finish my thought. Um, no, it hasn't turned me off of off of BMWs or just foreign cars in general because stuff happens, right? Like I don't know. I don't know the history of this car before I purchased it. The car had 90,000 miles on it when I bought it. Under- so who knows? Yeah. You know, they, they could have skipped oil change. I mean, you just, there's no way to know. Yeah. I still feel like if this car was purchased by someone like me, brand new, who was religious about maintenance and will take it into the dealer for every little thing, this issue may not have happened because maybe the timing chain would have been replaced and guys before this happened because that is apparently a time change item at a hundred thousand miles that BMW recommends. I didn't know that I didn't buy the car brand new. So I didn't get those, the cool manual and stuff that has all that recommended service in it. Really? Yeah. So anyway, no, I'm not sworn off of them. Like if I get a good deal on one someday down the road, I might buy one. But to be honest, I'm not all that upset about it for two reasons. Um, number one, I kind of wanted a bigger car anyway, and I got one. Yes. Um, and number two, um, well, I guess it was really just number one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, if I remember right, last we had <clears throat> heard from you, you were going to be buying a 1990, <laughs> what was it, 94? 94 Suburban. Suburban. Yeah, that didn't pin out. Okay. Um, that deal fell through. I ended up not uh, not buying it, number one, because it was just too far away. And then, and then I had problems with the BMW, so I couldn't actually drive to go get it. <laughs> I would have had to fly and whatever. Yeah. Uh, so what I ended up buying was a, a beater. I call it a beater, but it's a 2010 Chevy Traverse, which it's a beater with a heater. Yeah. It. But it's in good shape. Knock on wood. I'm gonna knock on wood without like making the noise. Um. 
so far, in the couple of weeks I've owned it, I've not put very much money into it. And I bought it super cheap. And you bought it knowing there were issues. Yes, yes, exactly. So I've put struts and shocks and a water pump on it so far. And seems to be pretty solid. And the best part, here's the best part. My biggest airplane fits in the back of this thing with room to spare. See, I love how we buy vehicles <laughs> based on what we can fit airplane-wise inside. Yeah, of. yeah. So I got room to grow. Just saying. It's time. Like once we recover from putting the BMW back together. Which, that's kind of the sad thing. The airplane that you've been talking about I know. is not a big airplane. I mean, it breaks down so small. It does. You don't have to have that huge right. airplane to transport it, the Bronco. A huge airplane, airplane to transport it? Did I say airplane? Yeah. You don't have to have a huge car to transport <laughs> I knew a what huge you airplane. No, you're right. That, uh, but yeah, sadly, that's, that is on hold for a while. That Bronco might even fit in the, uh, the Tesla. It might. It's yeah, because the tail, down. I think, comes off of The booms too. come off. Yeah. The wings break down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the plan is uh, to try to make a short story long. Uh, the plan is succeeded. Yes, uh, is to when the spring gets here and we get some decent weather because it's it's in my son's garage now, parked uh, where he will have room to work on it, but it's not heated and it's obviously winter time here in Illinois. So when spring gets here and it warms up, the plan is to pull the engine, uh, flip it over, pull the pan, check the bearings, and then new timing chain and set or guides and oil pump and. Blow out all the galleys. Nah. Yep, all that stuff, and then hopefully put it together, uh, drive it for a little while, make sure it's good to go, and then either sell it or we'll decide what to do then. But that's going to be about 5000 bucks just to do that. A junkyard engine, if we want to put a junkyard engine in it, to buy the engine is about 4500 and then that's doing nothing else to it, just putting it in. So Who knows what that engine's like. Exactly. So you would want to at least... <sighs> Have a look at it before you install it. You know, pull the pan. That's a set chain. of gaskets, and exactly put a timing set in it. So that's where I would be doing anyway. So, yep. So that's where we're at. Yeah, about five thousand dollars worth of uh, parts and pieces to put it back together. It's Tommy's jet, and then probably three or four weekends worth of work. Probably a lot of work. Yeah. Well, if you need help, I can. Uh watch you can drive by and say oh i thought you'd be done by now <laughs> okay you can't throw that out <laughs> without explaining i think we've talked about it okay the roofing job when uh, casey and i were casey's my son uh, my oldest son casey and i were doing the roof on his house and ron drives by it's in the middle of summer you know it's 110 degrees outside and then we're up on the roof you know uh sweating profusely man it looks hot up there man it looks hot up there and ron drives by and doesn't even get out of the car, yells out the window, oh, look, I thought you guys would be done by now. They were like three rows up on the front of the house. Yeah. And by the look I got, I knew it was time just to roll up the window and leave. <laughs> time to go. Okay, see ya. <laughs> That's what I, thanks. In my defense, I asked if you needed help. I offered to come give you a hand. I was turned you down. Yeah, we had it. And so I kept getting, oh, yeah, no, we're, we're in good shape. We're doing fine. So I was shocked by well, here's Here's why I turned all, like, it wasn't just you. Like Because I'm fat. I know. No, I no, would go through the roof. That's not it at all. We didn't, we didn't have enough tools. We had enough tools for the, to keep the two of us, Casey and I, occupied. I have tools, but that's okay. Well, okay. Compressor, air hose, nailer. I mean, you would have had to have brought all that with you. And okay. I didn't want to. 
That's fine. I didn't want to put anyone out, That's to be honest. I appreciate it. I just came by and pissed you off instead. On accident. Completely on accident. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, you'll be happy to drive by when I'm, you know, elbow deep in the front of my car. Hey, are you done with that yet? That's Can you go flying yet? What are you doing? <laughs> so anyway, yeah, short story long, I have a new airplane transportation vehicle. ATV. Exactly. Okay. Are you finished? Like, is that Yeah, your... that, was the, okay. that was, I guess, all I wanted to say about that, since you made me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I didn't make you go on for 20 minutes, but that's okay. I'm sorry. It's good. So, I have done nothing, but there was an interesting... What's that look for? Well, I wouldn't say nothing. I mean, the jet is pretty close to being ready. Since our last conversation, I have not done anything. Okay. Fair. I did buy a tool, but I will see how that works before I talk about it. <laughs> okay. No, it's just whatever. I don't even remember what it's <clears> called. <throat> the pliers that you twist the wire, the safety wire pliers. Safety wire pliers, yeah. Those are so those. fun. They are yeah, fun. I've never used one, but I bought mm-hmm. some of those to do the uh, fuel tank. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so since I have not done anything, we had, and I usually don't care to talk about Discord stuff on here. I kind of like you know, keep that separate and all that stuff. But there was an interesting question posed um, that actually got quite a bit of discussion mm-hmm. on it. Got us all thinking. Right. Um, so Steve asked, he said, how would you guys answer this question? And then the question is, I'm guessing it was something somebody asked him anyway, because it's, but anyway. So, in quotes, it's not obvious to me why you can't move a receiver between planes uh, though, let me start that over because I read that as through at first, and I was like, "Wait a minute." So, quote: mm-hmm. "It's not obvious." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, I, I don't have my glasses on. Would you like to borrow mine? No, oh, because I, I think I need to pull them closer. So anyway, okay. It's not obvious to me why you can't move a receiver between planes, though, and Google doesn't seem to answer that question. Hmm. And so we started all talking about that back and forth a little bit. Mm-hmm. At first, I was very anti. Just don't be cheap. Buy multiple receivers and stuff. But then it's like, why couldn't you? There's no reason you can't. I agree with Dave. There's no reason it couldn't be done. It's not the most convenient thing to do. Right. But yeah. there's no physical reason you can't do it. Yeah. And I think a lot of it depends on the airplane also. Like taking a six-channel receiver, let's say, and moving it from a three-channel park flyer to a six-channel complex aircraft. I mean, really, honestly, if the airplane is set up correctly, there's really no reason you couldn't do that. And for most of the airplanes that aren't find and fly, so like you're talking just any other airplane that doesn't have settings stored in it, Mm -hmm. all the settings and stuff are stored on your radio. Normally, yeah. So trims, all that kind of stuff are going to be on your radio. So your receiver is just a dumb piece of equipment inside that just listens. Yeah. Just bind it and do a pre-flight. Make sure you plugged everything into the right hole and you're good. You wouldn't even have to bind it. You're already bound to it, right? Well, the the, the initial time that you move it over. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, no, you wouldn't even have to do that. No, I see what Ron's saying. Like, no, tech, the, the tech settings tech... would change. Why? You would change if you have the if this is an airplane that you've flown 
Oh, I see. What, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Trims would change. Goodness yeah. wow, gracious. That's loud. <laughs> Uh, your trims would change. Yeah. Uh, your flap settings, you know, all those fun mm-hmm. little things you set yeah. would be different. Yeah. So you would have to rebind it because all that stuff is saved per bind per airplane. So it's saved per airplane file on the transmitter. So you would. Yeah. But like it. So if you wanted. So you're saying you would fly every single airplane on the same profile is no. what you're getting. No. Like. If you change profiles, you will have to rebind. rebind. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I didn't think that went through all the way, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, but even so, it's not that big a deal. Like if if everything is set up from the last flight correctly in your transmitter, and you bind that, and you pull that receiver out, bind it to something else, and then when you bring that receiver back to that airplane and bind it to that airplane, it binds it with those old settings. So it should be fine. Just, yeah. it, like Dave said, it's not the most convenient thing to do, but. If you're on a budget or you just don't feel like owning 40-plus receivers, <laughs> <laughs> like some of us, I'm, I'm looking mm-hmm. at Dave, mm-hmm. um, then, yeah, it can be done. Sure. At least with Spectrum. Now, I don't know how Futaba and the rest of them do because I, I only speak Spectrum. But Yeah, same here. But that was one of those things, like I said, my original thought was just get a new one. Why would you even <laughs> think about it or worry about yeah. it? Some of the responses came in, and I was like, you know what? There actually is no real reason other than me being lazy, I guess. <laughs> Just convenience. Yeah. Convenience. To yeah. not worry about doing that. Yeah. Now, other than the obvious problems, I mean, obviously you can't you can't fly a six-channel airplane with a four-channel receiver, right? No, but if you go bigger on your but, receiver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, move, swapping an eight-channel receiver between 18 different airplanes that are... Eight channels, eight channels or less, less you're good. Yeah, yeah. You're, it can totally be done. It may not be the most, ec- or well, but definitely economical, economical but not way the most it. convenient way of doing right. things, especially if you fly like we do. We generally take more than a couple airplanes to the field, so that could be kind of inconvenient, but yeah. absolutely can I mean, be done. I've got one airplane that I fly every five years. No reason to have a receiver sitting around in yep. it all the time. Yep. And it doesn't cost you anything to have that model saved in your memory no. of your transmitter. Right. So, yeah. I, I, that makes sense. Like, actually, that's probably smarter than buying a receiver to just sit idle for yeah. five years so you can fly it once. Yeah. That doesn't make a lot of sense, financially speaking. Right. So so maybe more airplanes. <laughs> well. <laughs> if you don't have a receiver yeah. per. But, I mean, like I said, having thought about it and going through, I probably will still just, I like the idea of having the airplane ready to go. All I got to do is put a battery in it charge it, put fuel in, whatever it is, as mm-hmm. opposed to going yeah. about it the long way of changing yeah. things over. But yeah. I, I yeah. don't have as many airplanes as as most most everyone else. Like I generally speaking, I if, I, if I'm not that's true, flying an airplane, I, I pull the stuff out of it and fly something else with it, generally speaking. But I have most of the airplanes that I fly with any sort of regularity, meaning once at least in two or three years, they have their own receivers. Okay. My GWS A10 doesn't have a receiver in it. I fly it eh, once or twice a year. Yeah. I just go find another airplane that I haven't flown for a while, yank the receiver out of it, move it over. Yep. That's that's funny because mine that has never been flown before and hasn't been touched for two years. Has a receiver in it? You still need to paint it. on it. Yes. And sand Since the last time mm-hmm. Dave worked on it, I think <laughs> it has a receiver in it already. Yeah. No, I mean, I have airplanes with receivers in them that I haven't flown for. I probably can't. Well... At least since twenty, when did when did I fly all my airplanes? Was that twenty twenty one? Or was that wasn't last year? Was it? Maybe it was last year. It was last year. It was last year. Yeah, yeah. Twenty two. Yeah, so. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, I guess there's lots of planes I haven't flown since then. <laughs> well, th- this was a bad year for you, <laughs> and it's okay. Yeah. Next year will be better. At any rate, it can absolutely be done. I was, like I said, I just, I that thought had, I mean, it's something I'd heard people talking about before, and it's like, I didn't understand why you would do that. But now it kind of makes sense, mm-hmm. depending on what it, what airplane you're flying. Back when I was a poor college student, that's exactly what I did. Yeah, we just moved radio gear around all the time. Servos. All the time, yeah. Move servos, servos receivers, batteries. Oh, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, as a poor college student, I did that quite often. I think I had two or three airplanes that I would be constantly swapping, swapping them. Yeah. But that's back when we wrapped them in foam and rubber banded them in the airplane. It wasn't too big a deal. It weren't like glued into the airplane yeah. with double-sided tape. Or, yeah, my receiver is like 60 bucks in 80s money. So Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, they're expensive now. So Yeah, yeah, I need a... We were talking about that before the show. I need a nine channel or better for this biplane. And I don't think they make nine channel anymore. So it's yeah, either ten. It's a ten hundred and twenty dollars that I don't have, but that'll be all right. I'll make do. It's worth it. I'm hoping to have it ready by January first. I have a lemon receiver you could put in there. No, thank you. <laughs> Just let me be clear. <laughs> Thanks. But no thanks. But no. Right? Yeah. The fuel in the tank is worth more than the receiver. <laughs> yeah. No, that might be true. Like I said, I bought that. I think I bought it at Toledo, uh, Toledo. last year, mm-hmm. right? Just to. I think it was eleven dollars. Yeah, it wasn't much at all. <laughs> yeah, the tank so, of fuel is more than the receiver. It's, it's definitely yep. not anything that's going to go in something expensive, but right. some piece of foam or something like yeah. that, I would have no problem yeah. trying. Like maybe a foam jet, maybe. Oh yeah, I don't even know about that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, then that what is the point me. of having a 10-channel lemon receiver then? I mean, honestly, I don't No matter know. how much it costs. I don't know. I didn't think it through. <laughs> I just saw one. I was like, huh, cheap. Let's go ahead and just put that. <laughs> I, I'm only going to put that in the cardinal. <laughs> hmm. uh, Maybe. No offense to the fruit people, but no. Actually, I no. don't think I would. Yeah. Yeah, I got nothing. I yep. don't know what I would put it in. Yeah. Me either. Oh, well. So there you go. $11 well spent. Ah. Uh, is that all we were going to talk about before we get into our main Tom th- Dale topic? I think so. I think that was it. Okay. Because I don't have any notes today. I know. I got all the notes today. This is all Tom. So I came prepared th- today. I, actually... I love how he acts like I never do. He's like, <laughs> well, I am prepared. I actually put a little bit of thought into today's episode. And what prompted me to think about what we're getting ready to talk about was I was working on the biplane. Mm-hmm. And uh, I posted a picture on Discord. I, I put a puncture in the bottom of my brand new airplane with my steel rule, and it aggravated me. And then while I was aggravated, my exacto knife rolled off the table, and guess where it stuck me? Right in the top of the foot. Oh. So I was oh. done working on the airplane for the night, but that got me thinking about, that. you know, workshop safety. You know what's ironic about that, though? Hmm. When you were overworking on the jet with me, we had the conversation about <laughs> about what? Safety. Well, but how you don't like oh, yeah. my X-Acto knives yes. because they don't have the square edge on them and they roll. They roll easily. So what were yeah. you using? Uh, well, I was using my X-Acto knife, but um, I, I must have bumped it. or Oh, I think I actually drug it off the table by because I was in a hurry and I wasn't taking my time. And I was cutting a piece of light ply for my fuel tank tray. And as uh, I pulled that off the table, the knife came with it and right into my foot. Ouch. Yeah. Oh. Luckily, it didn't you, go deep. I was going to say, are you okay? Though? Yeah, I'm like, fine. It just 
made me mad more than anything. <laughs> yeah, I had one roll off a counter years ago on me mm -hmm. and uh, landed in my thigh standing yep. straight up and it's going doing. <laughs> oh. And it's like, okay, this kind of hurts. But then I got thinking, I'm going to pull that out. Yeah. That's not, that's not really funny. Like that kind of makes me. Oh, I'm laughing. I think it's funny. I, oh, I don't do well. With yeah. That. So I bought uh, anti-roll things. Yeah. Or put zip ties on them. Yeah. Ever since. Oh, that's, a that's actually a really good idea. Yeah. I like that. At least you get a second when you hear them going clunk, 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 clunk. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's coming, so you <laughs> jump out of the way. So yeah, work workshop safety. It's something that uh, you know nobody likes to talk about. Safety third, right? Nobody likes to talk about safety, but I think there are some valuable lessons to be learned from from us old timers because we've seen it and done it all, uh, and been injured by most of it. At least <laughs> yeah, once. we try to kill ourselves multiple ways, multiple different ways. So um, yeah, there's some things you can do in the workshop to help prevent. Uh, injury to yourself and more importantly to to your airplanes <laughs> and dave you mentioned it i'll start with the exacto knives um they're hazardous in many different ways like rolling off of the table into your foot or your thigh if you're wearing shorts which i'm guilty of don't wear shorts in the workshop really well yeah everything goes right on your legs if you're sitting and you're working like with stuff like right above your lap yeah blistered uh blistered inside of my thigh with a Iron. Iron. CA. See, when it I, dries instantly, it creates a lot of heat <laughs> and those little burn marks. Uh, yeah. I guess I just stand wear pants. for most of the time when I work on things. Well, and you wear pants most of the time. Like, I don't see you in shorts normally. Well, when I'm by myself, I work nude. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. I'm kidding, by the way. Um, but Dave, you mentioned those uh, doodads we could buy. Just put, I think General Silicone's made them. Yeah, there's a couple places that sell those. Yeah. There were little triangular things that you'd slide over the handle so that they just would not roll. I could never get used to working with them because they were kind of cumbersome. And I, I like the Excel way. that's got the, the, the hex built into the end of it. Those are the ones I use. Yeah. And that does a pretty good job of... The Excel what? The actual... The Excel handles. Handle yeah. itself. Mm -hmm. um, and then the zip tie. You can run a zip tie around it. Yeah, that's a good idea too. I've got an Excel with a zip tie because I broke the... <laughs> yeah. Um, but really more like... So yeah, there's things you can do to your to your, you know, have a place where you always keep it, right? So you know where it's at. So when you're dragging stuff on the workbench, you know, you're not dragging it off onto your lap or your foot or whatever. Like if you can, if you keep your workshop somewhat picked up and you have a space for everything and you know where that space is at, you tend to stay away from that space, if that makes sense. I always make sure my blades are pointing away from me when I put them that's, down. That's, that was this motion I was making over here. You know, have it pointing away from you. Preferably away from the work area that you're working in, too. Um, so how many X-Acto knives do you guys have and use? Normally, when I'm working, I have one. My workbench, I've got two. And I work with multiple levels of dullness. Yeah. yeah. So I got one that's got a eh blade on it, and I got one with a fresh blade in it. Mm -hmm. And then I will, as the one that gets too dull, swap them, swap them out. So yeah. then the sharp blade becomes the dull one and... I, I just do one. I keep one on the workbench for when I'm working on stuff on the bench, and then I keep one in my flight box. So because I'm unorganized, <laughs> I usually have about four. Oh, my God. How do you keep track of it? How do you know where they're at? Well, I don't. See? Because there's usually only enough. one mm -hmm. where I know where it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's what, so speaking of kind of trying to keep organized, if you go on Thingiverse... Because I have the pegboard in front of my workbench. Yeah. If you go on Thingiverse, I found X-Acto knife holders that you can, well, print 
for uh, the pegboard stuff, and they're awesome. I have two of them. That's why I know I have four. Nice. Something else I do with the razor bl- or the exacto blade: the color of the handle. Mm. If you look at my bench, most of mine are pink. Whenever I can find them, because mm. the pink sticks out sticks on the workbench. Yeah. My black one, I keep out the field because I can't it find it. it on my workbench. Yeah. I would not be able to keep track of four exacto knives. I just. Well, that's my point. Like I'm very unorganized, so yeah. I can't. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, that's. But it, technique it also, it. right? So, like, you know, a lot of people, like, I have to learn lessons the hard way. It seems like, um, and I've learned many lessons. And if you look at my fingers, you'll be able to tell that I've learned a lot of lessons with Exacto knives. Exacto knives, not table saws, Ron. Oh. I have all my fingers. They're just all scarred and wow. stuff. Such a low blow. <laughs> well, you're the, you started it. You gave me the fingers. The fingers. <laughs> Whatever you want to wave, whatever. <laughs> um, but anyway, technique, never cut towards yourself, right? Like, I'm guilty of it. You know, you've, you've got this piece of ply or whatever, and for whatever reason you don't want to slice away from it, you're coming at yourself. And, yeah, I've stabbed myself before. I'm not proud of it. It's not something I'm proud of, but it was it's a gonna lesson. Happen. It's a lesson learned the hard way. But if you can, try to arrange your work such that you're cutting away from your body. <laughs> multiple yeah. light cuts. Don't yeah. press. Yeah, right. Yep. Don't try to take it all off with one cut. I'm talking about light ply specifically if you cut your light ply with an exacto, which I do because I'm too lazy to walk out to the garage to the bandsaw. I'm literally too lazy to roll to the other side of the room. <laughs> <laughs> but light ply can be cut with an exacto knife with several passes. Don't try to do it in one pass because what's going to happen? You're going to be pressing down so hard, something's going to slip, and then where's that knife going to go? Because you're pulling it towards you. It's going to go right into your gut, and that is not fun. Or the broken piece is going to go flying into your face. There's that mm. also. I've taken yeah. a tip out of my cheek. Ouch. Yeah. I don't think I like this topic. Yeah. Yeah, and like cutting covering. Like I'm guilty of Like I've done this. Like I, I can't tell you how many times I've done this. Cutting a long piece of covering. You know, I've got my big three foot long steel straight edge on there and I've got it all lined up and I set the knife against the straight edge and I whoosh, right, oh, there right goes over finger your fingertip. Yep, there goes the tip of my finger. Oh, God. Yeah. I've done that several times. Just look it it takes a second. Look before you cut. Make sure your fingers aren't hanging over the edge of the straight edge so that you don't cut them off. I do this. You get the claw going. Yeah. I've yeah. I'm guilty. Like I just I think What's the last airplane? Oh, the Duelist would be the last airplane I think I did a full cover on. And, yeah, I'm pretty sure I sliced a tip off of one of my fingers when I was doing that. So just, yeah, take a second. Slow down. Don't get in a hurry. Look, think about where that blade's going to end up in five seconds. Exactly. Look before you cut. Yeah. I mean, these are things that I feel like I shouldn't have to say. But since they happened to me, I'm sure there's someone else out there that it probably has happened to as well. So when you cut covering with an exacto knife, what do you cut it on? I cut it on my foam board. Just a piece of foam? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. Cut mat. Mm-hmm. Or a cut mat, yep. You, like I, so most of the long cuts for covering, you know, I can't do it on the cut mat because it's not big enough. Um, so I usually use the off cut of the big giant piece of foam board that I used to line my table. Does that make sense? Yeah. If I don't have the steel on mine for the magnet. Building board, I'll, I've got carpet. 
Oh, that's good. And too. those carpet squares, and you know, you're cutting very lightly through the covering, so you shouldn't really right. slice up your carpet squares. Yeah. But if you do, I mean, they're that's, a couple yeah, bucks. A couple bucks. Yeah. Pry them off, put a new one on. Yep. The foam does, I noticed, it does dull the blade pretty quickly. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Yeah, the carpet does too. Oh, does it? Okay, well. But the cut mats are probably fairly easy on the blades, I would yeah, think. Yeah, cut mats not too bad, yeah. but it's only 18 inches, so. Yeah. Right. And it just seems like that. I don't know. Even the self-healing ones don't work all that great for me. I just don't like them. Very yeah, they still they still get lines in them, which can yep. draw your blade off too. But yeah, yeah. Speaking of blades, uh, don't use <laughs> don't use the Exacto blade as a prying tool. <laughs> not a crowbar. I mean, they're not very. Strong. So all the stuff I'm talking no. about are the stupid things I've done. Okay, like I'm not judging people because I've done everything that we're going to talk about here, but trying to pry a cured glue blob on the surface of your airplane with an X-Acto blade is, is not a smart move because what's going to happen is one of two things, either the blob is going to cut loose unexpectedly and end up right in your face or worse, the blade is going to break. And then those shards of metal are going to go flying through the air towards your face. And that's, no bueno. Yeah. Yeah. So don't use your exacto knife blade to pry things. What do you do with your old blades? Um, so me personally, I when I'm I'm like I'm in a hurry, like all the time. Like that's just that's just a bad character trait of mine. Like I'm always in a hurry, I always want to get stuff done in fast in, in a hurry. So what I do is I take the old blade out, I go into my other like I have kind of two work areas now. Thanks, Lori. Um, I have my original shop, which is in the kind of the darkest part of the basement. And then I have the area where I sort of took over when our middle kid moved out. So I'll take the dull blade, walk into my old shop and stick that in my old building board, which is a big chunk of foam on top of a hollow core door. And then I'll put a new blade in and go do what I do. And then when there's enough of them on there stuck in that board where I can't like function on that part of the board anymore i take an old servo case and i put them in there and snap it shut and i'm not even close to filling that thing yet i mean it's been years so yeah and when they're full i'm not exactly sure what i'll do with them recycle them hopefully somewhere but i don't know what what do you do with them after you you know i use throw them away. i use an old soda bottle okay same idea yeah some sort of a container to contain them but so as when it's soon full as i'm done though yeah. That's when I put it in there. Oh, okay. I don't leave it out. Well, I I mean, I'm not, they're not left out. They're stuck in a foam board, so I know they're right. not going to go anywhere. No, right? but they're still out. They're I mean, out. they're not yeah. contained. No, that's true. Yeah, right now there's probably, conservatively speaking, 12 used blades just sort of stuck into the corner of that board. That's not too bad. I mean, that's like one covering job. <laughs> right. I mean, really. That's true. Um, but I guess that's a good question though. Like when, when I finally get that servo case full of blades to where I can't put any more in there, what do I do with it then? Get a bigger case. <laughs> okay. I mean, just, it would take 20 years to fill up a two liter bottle of soda. Oh, a two liter bottle. Yeah. I thought you were talking like the, Oh, I, I have ounce. a small one now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh but yeah. I'm but then you like just transfer that or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take forever to, to go through all that. Yeah. I have no idea where mine came from. It's a baby food jar. I don't have any yeah. kids. How did I get a baby food jar? Interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, but glass bottle. I mean, yeah, glass is like perfect. You could when you're done with it, you seal it up, throw it in the garbage, and to the yeah. landfill for the next three thousand years, it'd be fine. Exactly. So therefore, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, exacto safety technique and organization. That's really the two. Exactly. Take nice. I see what you did there. That was great, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, so the next one uh, that sort of my mind went to is my Dremel tool. Like I, I've injured myself several different ways with my Dremel tool. I don't know about you guys, but it's probably the safest power tool in my house. Really? Yeah, I would agree with Dave. Like hmm. I've never hurt. I've injured my wife with it, but. Uh... <laughs> Well, I mean, I've was done that on purpose, though. Was... Oh, Ooh. oh, no! Wow! Oh, that was not. Uh, no, we uh, use it to Dremel the dog's toenails. Oh, okay, that makes oh, sense. Yeah, yeah. So and, you're injuring the dog then? Yeah. Right. So it's actually uh, there's less blood involved when I do that versus trying to use the guillotine because he always jerks whenever you. As soon as you go to squeeze the lever, oh yeah, he jerks. Yep. And so the you're... Dremel, it's really really hard to cut them too short because yeah. they get too hot and he'll yank his foot away. Uh, anyway, she was helping hold his foot, and she bent over, and it popped up off his toenail, and it came up, and it whacked her in the forehead, which <laughs> oh, is really not a problem. She was it, really close. Yeah. Well, it grabbed her hair. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And then in the course of grabbing her hair, it forced the bit yeah. into her forehead. Wow. See, that's a problem I don't have. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to deal I don't with have that. to worry about hair. No. Well, eyebrows. That's true. I guess they are long enough to get caught in a Dremel. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. They're very full and luscious. <laughs> luscious? I would call them a lot of things, but luscious is not one of them. Not exactly Eugene Levy. Yeah, well. Not, really? Close? I think I don't so. think they're that close. Really? I mean, they're not connected anymore. No. You just shaved them. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, moving on. Uh, so, yeah, I've drilled my hand with my Dremel numerous times. I don't use mine to drill. That's probably where I'm saving myself. Oh, yeah. I use mine for the smaller, small, like, um, for example, like just the other night, uh, drilling holes for the servos and the servo rails. Yeah, I got my finger with the number, whatever that was, a 40, not a 40. It was probably a 50-something. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got my little Black yeah. & Decker 6-volt Yeah, because, you know, drill. I'm reaching through and grabbing it, and oh, even though I'm careful, about, yeah, yeah, from I the back, you. and the drill and bit goes all the way through, and, and bam, there's my finger. Oh, dang, that hurt. Blood, sweat, and tears. Actually, no blood this time. Oh. Yeah, it must have hit the callus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cauterized it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so be mindful if you're using your Dremel to drill holes, like me, just be mindful of where that drill bit is going to exit the back of the piece so your finger's not in the way. Now, why do you use your Dremel for holes as opposed to a drill? Uh, the Dremel, for me, like my cordless drill is a big 18-volt DeWalt, which I, I use a lot mm-hmm. like in, for modeling. Um, but it's just too kind of big and unwieldy to drill tiny little servo screw holes. So my Dremel's nice and lightweight. It's I can move it around easy. You know, I can get into tighter spaces with it. That's why. It's just convenient. I like the one thing I don't like about the Dremel is that you don't get the fine motor control that you do with the drill. Yeah, my drill, like that's the go, big difference. Is I've got a high-speed setting on my little drill, yeah. but I've got a low-speed setting. Yeah, me too. But, and you can control it so much better. When you're trying to push through, You can. I, I think you can feel more. You can get mm-hmm. a better feel for it when you're doing it. 
So, or, or a pin vise. So, well, that's what I would. And that's the other extreme. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's ultra slow. Um, and did I mention like I'm always in a hurry? Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's. Um, but the speed doesn't bother me so much because I'm only ever really drilling wood pieces with it. Like if I'm going to go drill a hole in something aluminum, I'll grab the Dewalt no matter what size the hole is going to be. But yeah, because then yes, I I need the control because if you're drilling in aluminum, speed matters. For light ply and balsa, it can go wide open as far well, as I'm concerned. And I'm concerned. not even worried about, like, heat or anything like that. Yeah. To me, it's just the control. I feel like yeah. I have better control if I'm pulling that trigger and can... I don't mm. know why. Maybe I'm just weird, mm. but I like to have that control to stop it when yeah. I want to stop See, it. See, I like to not have my finger on the trigger. With the Dremel, I can turn it on, and then I can use the rest of my fingers to control the angle of the of the Dremel so I know that I'm drilling a hole straight. Oh, okay. So I guess two schools of thought. Yeah. But anyway, if you're going to, and this applies to using your DeWalt also, just don't, don't put your finger don't behind put it. your finger in the way, dummy. <laughs> I'm talking to me. I, I knew that. Yeah. And secure your pieces that you're drilling. Because I you. don't know how many have broken loose and whacked me in the fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's usually that sharp edge of the brass that catches me. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, that's exactly, I was looking at my notes. That's exactly where I was going next. Use clamps to clamp your work. Don't use your fingers as clamps because, and I've done this too, <laughs> um, using my fingers as clamps, exactly what Dave said, the piece lets go and comes right around and whack right on the clamp that was my finger. Uh, whereas if I'd have been using a clamp, probably number one, wouldn't have broke loose. And if it did, it would have just hit the clamp and no harm, no foul, reclamp it and press on. So holding like a piece of brass on a piece of wood trying to drill a hole in it or what are we talking about? Yes. Okay. That or drilling a hole in... So when you drill a hole in a piece of wood, you really ought to have some sort of a backer. So when the drill bit goes through the other side, it makes a clean exit instead of splintering, you know, like if if there was nothing back there. Mm -hmm. Um, Holding all of that together with your fingers, not always a great idea because the drill bit can grab that top piece and then spin and into your fingers and ouch and cuss words and done for the night and delayed progress and... So you get the idea. Not only are you cut, you're bruised. Yeah. So it's exactly. twice as bad. Exactly. Yep. Bruised, or, battered, and broken. Or um, another instance where you should use a clamping device and not your fingers. Um, another good example is uh, wheel axles. They're not always exactly the length you need them. Sometimes you need to cut them shorter so they fit inside a wheel pant or whatever. You get the cutoff wheel attachment, chuck that in the Dremel, and then grab that wheel axle and start cutting it gets hot yes it gets hot pretty quickly actually okay now we're now i've done this so yeah, yeah. so okay. um use use your vice if you have one if you don't have a vice a piece of vice grip or a pair of vice grips if you don't have a pair of vice grips a pair of pl- something besides your fingers because that piece is going to get really hot really fast and then you won't be able to pull away fast enough and if it gets if it happens really fast and you lose your grip then your saw grabs that piece and then flings it into your face. I always have the cutoff part fall into my lap. Well, that's, yeah. Nylon pants are not your friends. Yep. Another another point I was going to make, yeah, make sure that that piece that you're cutting off, especially in this case a piece of you know music wire, make sure that's not going to land on your lap or your foot. I'm really careful as it falls into the trash can because I'm worried about it smoldering. Fire. Yeah. 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 It'll sit there for hours, you know. I try... And it doesn't always work, but I have a, a big 12-inch by 12-inch piece of floor tile, like tile, tile, ceramic tile, that I, I use this thing for lots of 
purposes. I charge batteries on it. Uh, I, you know, I use it for a lot of stuff. I try to make sure my wire pieces fall on that because I know it's that's not going to catch on fire or anything. But it doesn't always work because they roll or whatever. But That's a tip I picked up from you, and I have my own now. Yeah. I mean, the, Same thing. Yeah, the number of uses for that piece of tile are, I mean, Just lots of uses. Yeah. Yep. Solder yeah. over it. So, exactly. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Got a cracked plate. What? A cracked plate? Yeah, I have a plate that's cracked. Uh-oh. How'd you crack it? I don't know. That's my wife. What kind Uh-oh. of plate? Like, like a ceramic plate? It's a ceramic plate, yeah. So just use that instead of a tile. Do you need a it, tile? I think I still have no well, tile. It holds my uh, iron really nice. Oh, it would. Because oh, you flip it upside down mm-hmm. and it's got the little yep. foot at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you can put your iron on there and it doesn't slide off the foot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's another use that, that I use my tile for. I set my iron on it without the stand. I set the iron right on it. Oh, yeah, you're not going to hurt it. Nope. So anyway, yeah, Dremel safety. Just be mindful of where your hand is at when you're using that thing. Sanding drum, drill bits, cut Don't off exceed wheels. the speed on your tools. Yeah, that's Sanding that's drums a good will fly point. apart. Yeah, that's a good point. I Rarely do Especially I ever cheap use. cheap ones. Yeah. So my Dremel is the variable speed one, right? And even at low speed, it's probably turning 10,000 RPM. I say mine starts at five. Okay. And, but it's a digital, so. It, oh, okay. So if yours isn't digital, Mine's it's probably pretty, yeah. eight to 10. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I rarely run that thing up to full throttle because, to be honest, it scares me. I don't think I've ever had mine <laughs> up to full throttle. Like, you put any any bit in that and you turn that thing, like, I'm guessing it's probably 25, 30,000 RPM. I mean, it's up there. Anything spinning that fast is, to me, kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> Probably those small ball mills or something is the only thing that's good for. Like, even then, yeah. Like, I, I rarely turn mine up past about halfway. Like, anything above that is crazy fast. About 12 is about the most I crack. 12. That, oh, 12,000? Yeah. 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 So, anyway. Exacto, or, I'm sorry, Dremel safety. Not to be taken lightly. Speaking of Dremels. Something that is also a good idea, I meant to mention this earlier, eye protection. Yeah. Like, especially in the shot, like, I wear glasses. Now, they're not OSHA-approved, you know. They don't have the, a side frame. The Ansi, Z87, whatever they are. They don't, exactly, they don't have the side, whatever. But I'll be honest, like, more stuff has bounced off the, the front of my glasses. I got a nick out of mine right now. Yeah, then, then I mean... If my glasses had not been on, that would have been a direct shot to my eyeball. Yeah. Um, so even though, like, I wear glasses, so that's kind of my... But if you don't wear glasses, go do yourself a favor, especially if you work in the shop a lot, especially with Dremels and, and things like that that can send stuff flying through the air. Get yourself a pair of comfortable um, safety glasses. Uh, and I say comfortable because if they're not comfortable, you won't want to wear them. Yeah. And that's when, you know, you're going to be looking down in your CA bottle when you're trying to snip the end of it off because it's clogged, that it decides to squirt you in the face is when you're not going to be wearing them. Yeah. So if you have a pair that are comfortable, then you will wear them and you'll get the protection that they offer. See, that's what, as I get older, <laughs> I don't wear my glasses as much for up-close work. And I have mm. noticed that that yeah. I and I never thought about getting or about getting safety glasses, but I need to because I've snipped ends off of a battery before. Yep, and it's hit me in the cheek, and I'm like, oh, that wasn't my, my eyeball. Eye. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And let me tell you, like from firsthand experience, I know what CA 
in your eye feels like, and it is uh, not a comfortable thing. Can't imagine to to go through. Glued my lips together. <laughs> Don't take the caps off with your mouth. Uh, I'm sorry. I've also that's funny. That is funny. Well, I've got glued multiple fingers together or fingers to other yeah, hand or whatever. But that I don't think too. I've ever glued my lips together. That's a that's a new one. Have you ever glued your hand to the the countertop and then not realize it and then tried to walk away and just skip? <laughs> no, I've done that. No, Pulled I mean I've glued back. my hand to my airplane before, and <laughs> I mean I think we've all probably done that, right? Yeah, holding on to it, let yeah. it dry, and then you're like, oh, oh, oh if I don't have an airplane with DNA in it, there's a problem. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> glued your lips together. That's a new one. I've yeah, never heard no, that. Don't. Yeah. Don't. Ah, uh, yeah. I've, I'm guilty of that. I'm surprised I haven't glued my lips. I, like I, I've removed the cap with my teeth many times. That's funny. And I've also, the worst chemical burn I got segueing into chemicals. Mm-hmm. So I had thin CA run down my arm and get underneath my watch. Oh, ouch. Instantaneously went off. I got oh, yeah. blisters. Oh, yeah. Third degree burns. Yeah. Ouch. Or second degree at least. Yeah, I got a good second out of it and yeah. you can't get the watch off. <laughs> because of the it's moisture burning, it's burning oh i can't get to it because i can't stuck. get my watch off yeah that would not be cool either because it glued the latch shut oh man <laughs> yeah um so but I, before I, we get to chemicals uh so enough about the dremel i would say and eye protection like just do it like i was going to mention you know i wear so i don't have to take my glasses off anymore i have bifocals they're no line but they're bifocals so i can see up close when i do this oh uh, that's me next yes that's what i gotta do yep so that way you don't have to. I don't want to do bifocals though. I know. I, I listen. I I'm resisted not that old, too. Am I? I, I well, guess I am. I mean, that's what I thought. Yeah. You don't see them. I mean, no, these, these you are can't bifocals. tell. It's the point. Yeah, but you guys are old. He's <laughs> <laughs> not wrong. Um, you like that today, Dave? Don't you? <laughs> Playing the drums. Um, so I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't have to take my glasses off anymore to to see too much. So they're always on. So get yourself a pair of safety glasses that are comfortable to wear. That way you wear them. And uh, Ron is uh, experimenting with Dave's bifocals, and he looks funny. I wish you guys could see this. I Actually, that's... Nice, right? It's not bad, is it? No. <sighs> <laughs> hey, listen, man. It's just part of part of uh, being experienced. Old. There, that's a better way to right? put it, yeah. Um, okay, so <laughs> next is... Uh, and these are in no real order. It was just as they popped into my head. Uh, and when things pop into my head, it's because of some stupid thing that I've done recently. Um, <laughs> prop or no prop. And this really mostly, well, pretty much exclusively applies to electric airplanes. Like when you're doing your setup in your in your shop, especially on, on an electric plane that's either new to you or you're, or you're programming it for the first time, just just take the prop off. Just, it's so there's simple. There's no chance that it can bite you. Don't even have the prop on it when you're doing your setup stuff. Because, I mean, just if you scroll through Facebook or, or some of these other, like Instagram, I don't have Instagram, but I've, I've heard of people say, oh, yeah, I saw that on Instagram. People who have been doing their setup on their electric plane with the prop on, only to have the thing come on unexpectedly and then either get them in the hand or on the leg or heaven forbid, somewhere on the face because they're, you know, close to it or whatever. Just just take the prop off. Or just generally damage your shop. Yeah, so right. Electric doesn't stop. No. If you have a gasoline engine or a nitro engine that you're running and it hits something, usually that's enough to stop it. 
electric's going to keep going. Yeah. And bite you and bite you and bite yeah. you. And, and a lot of times they're sharper. The, exactly. Exactly what I was just getting ready to say. Sorry then. No, no, no. Go right ahead. But electric propellers are lighter, yep. thinner, mm-hmm. so they're sharper, and they spin very fast, very fast. <laughs> very fast, very quickly is what I was trying to say. They get to speed quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and they so, they yeah. are capable of doing lots of damage. Lots of pictures on the internet if you yeah. want to go and Please look don't. at it. I don't. Um, it's gross. Yes, I. Don't. I mean, our friend Reggie, you know, he had the the incident, uh, not due to a setup issue. It was just simply because he, to a stupidity issue. Well, he, I, no, I shouldn't say that. things happen. Yeah, it was a it was an accident. It was a mistake he made. But um, electric airplanes in the shop tinkering just just take the prop off. You don't, there's no reason to have it on, honestly. What are you talking about with him? Are you talking about the electric to the pants, or are you talking about No, the, I'm talking about the big S-Bach oh, that yeah. almost took his hand off. I thought you were talking about the time he had the electric airplane <laughs> that did what we're talking about. and No, that was absolutely his, what we're talking about, a setup issue. Cut through his jeans. Yeah. Luckily, it didn't, like, sever his the big, whatever that big artery is in the, the inside femoral of the artery. Yeah, that one. The fem, femoral. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I can't pronounce it for some reason. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Electric airplanes tinkering in the shop, just take the prop off. Yeah, yep. I've had just, multiple ducted fans eat stuff on my desk. Yeah. Ducted fans, I, I, so I can give a little bit of a pass to duct, because number one, they're a pain in the butt to remove the rotor. Yeah. Most of them. And number two, if it comes on unexpectedly, worst case scenario, it's going to pick up something on your workbench and throw it at you. Both of mine have shut themselves off because they ate their power wires. Wow. Okay, but didn't really hurt but, you in any way. No, not right. at all. But right, Mentally, I mean, we want to. Yeah, we want to avoid injuring our airplanes. But mostly, this is about you. Keep looking at your jet. That's funny. I really can't see anything that far away. So, <laughs> well, you would need to borrow Dave's. <laughs> I, I might. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's really all I wanted to say about that. If you've got an electric airplane that you're tinkering with in the shop, um, just just take the prop off. Put the, prop on, put the prop on it when you're ready to go fly it. Mm-hmm. And it takes so little time to pull a prop. I mean, I just don't. I don't understand why you wouldn't. Yeah. Although, and I said personal experience. Like, I've not done that. But we know I, I will admit people I, who I will have admit done I have. I've oh, had, you've, you've ran into your. I've had. Well, no, not hit me. Oh. I've not hit myself, but I've had a motor come on. Unexpectedly? I it to. Yeah. It's scary. So, well, and that was when I figured out. So, long story short, I don't want to get into it too much. But when I was setting up that cree cree, cry cry, I, one of these days I need to know how cricket. to say that. I'm just going to call it a cricket. But that makes me think of the cutter. Oh, the vinyl cutter. Have. The vinyl cutter, yeah. Yeah, I know. We have one. Yes, that's why I said that you guys have. But anyway, so with the dual motor setup on it, I didn't realize that the throttle cutoff does not work if you don't actually set both channels up as throttle. Hmm. So I had throttle cut on, and I just went up on throttle a little bit. One of them turned off, and then the other one came on when I wasn't expecting it. So And you had the prop on it? I had the prop on it. Surprise! Yeah. It almost sucked the uh, the curtains into it. That would have been bad. That would have sucked. That probably would have damaged the airplane at a minimum. I would think so. Pull the motor off the mount, probably? Could have. But luckily. Just take the props off, Ron. Well, now I know. Thank you for telling me. Yeah. Gloves. How do you feel about gloves? The personal preference? Yeah. To keep me warm or to keep me safe? In the shop. I don't wear gloves in the shop. Dave? I usually don't wear them. I don't like wearing them. 
However, there are certain things I'm doing. If I'm laying up epoxy fiberglass or whatever, yes, I will definitely because they're way easier to clean up than my hands. So convenience, okay. I was yeah. gonna say what they're, kind of gloves too. When you say gloves, I well, think so, like leather gloves. But I guess okay. after hearing guess, him, maybe I guess I'm I should specify nitrile or right. latex. So I keep a pair of heavy duty like mechanic type gloves in my flight box for because I, you know, I'm a fan of starting engines by hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's for, to protect my hands, you know, at the field. I'm talking about in the shop. Do you keep two or one? I don't think I've ever seen you have two gloves at the field. They're both, yeah, I have a pair. I only ever use the right one. Okay. I have no idea where my left glove is. Yeah. (laughs) But I I know where it's in, and it's like new, my left one, because I am right-handed. Yeah. Um, So it does go. But no, there are a pair. Yeah. okay. It goes, yeah, they both, yeah, why do I carry the left one around? Just in case you need to pull a spark plug or something. Who knows? Oh, well, yeah, I guess maybe. Strange. Hmm. It's a strange observation, but yeah, I do have the left one. It's in the flight box Just right there with the right one. You only had one. Hmm. Well, you have to buy them in pairs, so I guess I just figure, well, Might as well they're matched. I may as well carry them around. Me. Yeah, it's just the weight. But in the shop, <laughs> I uh, I have taken to using nitro gloves um, lately for like handling chemicals or mixing epoxy or anytime I'm going to be like messing with something that is potentially hazardous to your health, like alcohol, like it dries your hands out and then it opens your hands up to infection. Like I read about all this stuff later, but I've never thought about, yeah. Well, the oils on your hand are a natural barrier to like some certain types of bacteria so that when you, take the oil off of your hands with alcohol or other chemicals, then you lose that protection. And if you get a cut, then it gets infected quicker or more quickly. And so lately I've been um, using nitro gloves whenever I am using the alcohol to clean stuff or acetone is really bad about drying out your skin and probably introducing chemicals that cause cancer and all this sort of stuff. And the reason I've done it lately is because I don't know, I may have mentioned it before on the show, but I don't really have any feeling left in the fingertips, especially the first three fingers of each hand, like you're out here on the tip. Oh, like your flying fingers. That's great. Right. Well, I fly with my thumbs, and I still have feeling on those. Okay. Um, but I, I have a feeling that it's probably from all the years of exposure to chemicals, because I didn't wear gloves, uh, or burning them with the soldering iron, <laughs> or... Or poking them with the exact Or poking knife. them with the exacto or whatever. So there's a lot of damage over the years. Yeah. So I figure if Many. younger folks are listening to us, uh, my piece of advice would be to start wearing gloves now and wearing eye protection now, getting in those habits so that you can protect those valuable assets that as you get older. Transdermal absorption. You'll, you'll suck a lot of chemicals into your body through your skin. Yeah. Such big words. Yeah. Trans- I'm glad he can pronounce dermal it. Absor- so that's trans, so under. Trans is under through. Skin. Oh, yeah. Derm, skin. Yeah, dermal is skin. And AL with is a modifier. Absor- okay. Yeah. Never thought about it. Honestly, never, ever thought about yeah. it. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff we handle is very, has been proven by. California. Some, by some poor rat in a lab somewhere. Everything in California will cause cancer. Oh, it's probably where all the labs are where they're allowed to put animals through that sort of testing. But anyway, um, if you get in the habit of doing it early in your in your hobby career, yeah. um, it becomes a habit that you do all the time, and therefore you won't end up at 50 years old with no feeling left in your fingertips. 50. 
Well, Somebody's 53. Down. Yes, I did. I okay. rounded down. <laughs> I uh, joke. Uh, but speaking of like things you should get in the habit of, something else that is insidious is hearing loss. What? It, exactly. It sneaks up on you without you even realizing it's happening. Yeah. Um, as, a, as a career Air Force crew chief guy exposed to high levels of noise pretty much my whole career, um, and a sheet metal guy with the, you know, the riveting hammers and all that sort of stuff. I, I have hearing loss. I mean, like Lori will tell you, I, is I can't it selective hear. hearing loss? Well, or is it... that's what that's what she used to say. <laughs> but I think my hearing loss goes, you know, Beyond. began. Yeah. And it's because I didn't. It's because I didn't protect my ears. Yeah. Um. So in the shop, lots of things we do create noise, like a lot of noise. You know, we talked about the Dremel with a cutoff wheel. And and sanding yeah. drums on fiberglass cowls and wheel pants, I mean the amount of noise that generates is significant. significant. Yeah, granted, yeah. it's for short periods of time. It is, but it's all yeah. cumulative. Exactly, it is, and that's exactly right. It you know one exposure, you don't eh. think that's such a big deal, but you do twenty exposures in the course of a a week or whatever that it's cumulative. They each do damage, and then that damage compounds, kind of like interest. Um, the more you, the more you expose your hearing to it. So Tommy's advice, find some earplugs that are comfortable to wear so that you wear them. Uh, what I've uh, started using when I know I'm going to be making lots of noise, like grinding on a fiberglass cowl the other night, um, I bought a pair of molded, they're not the little foamies. And this is me rolling my fingers. Like you roll the foamies to get in your ears. Yeah. Uh, but these are like a molded plastic. They look like an upside down Christmas tree kind of. And yeah. I bought them at a, at a shooting supply place, but you can get them hardware stores. I think you can get these things, but if you find a pair that's comfortable to wear, you will wear them and protect your hearing and not end up a half deaf, you know, 50 yeah. year old. I'll be honest. I use the earmuffs more than anything. As long as you're using something. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I, the ones you were talking about, the little plasticky looking thing, I do not like those at all. Yeah. I, you I mean, gotta find something you like. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I got indoctrinated with those things, you know, at basic training. That's what they gave us. And they even gave us the cool little L shaped tool to shove them in there with and take them out. So that's what I am accustomed to. And I'm, yeah. com- they're comfortable to me. But yeah, anything you can do, anything that decreases that decibel level when you put them on will be beneficial in the long run. And yeah. if you, especially if you get in the habit of doing it, like, sooner rather than later yeah i spend my day yelling at patients because <laughs> i can't hear them and they can't hear me yeah right and then like so the final thing that i and unless you guys have something else we want to talk about was um so like have a proper like first aid kit and it doesn't have to be like you know one of these big triage things with an aed although as we get older maybe that's not such a bad <laughs> idea dave um but like have have a at least a stash of band aids, maybe maybe some gauze and tape to get little the little neosporin. Neosporin, yep. Maybe some uh, uh, what's the stuff you want? Um, gosh dang it, hydrogen peroxide. Yeah, you know because our tools get really really dirty, and uh, the faster you can get that crud out of the hole. Exactly. Yeah. So have have some sort of plan before you actually need it about how you're going to stem the flow of blood when you you know, cut half a finger off because you were using the wrong technique of... Because you didn't listen earlier. Because you didn't listen to what, yeah, Dave and I and Ron were telling you. So have a proper first aid 
kit of some, even if it's something you put together yourself, have one. Bare minimum, Band-Aids and gauze. Yeah, exactly. And a fire extinguisher. Thank you. I've caught myself on fire twice. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) I've caught things on fire, but never myself. Yeah, I had a, a motor spray incident, cleaning out oh, an electric motor, yes. and then it arced Back on me. racing days, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then those vapors, I guess, built up in yeah. your clothes. Hard to believe that, wow. yeah, manufacturers would make this cleaner designed for electric motors that arc when you turn them on. and weird. But yeah, this stuff is very flammable. I've never caught myself on fire, though. That's uh, that's new also. I had an RC Tango flying out into the snow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, gold pan? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Just, you wouldn't understand, Ron. I No, I don't. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, completely off topic, they're reissuing. In clear. The, yeah, oh, you, you saw it. Okay, never mind. So let's act like I have no clue what you're talking about. And so like one of the original, well, the original, like... The seven gear. Tenth scale RC buggy designed for racing... Uh, made by Team Associated way back in 70-something, 78? Uh, oh, maybe it was later. Early 80s. Early 80s, whenever. Uh, they are producing again as a nostalgia kind of a thing. But I guess it's it's not gold? I, I, so, I didn't so see any pictures. What I've seen is there is the old gold pan, the old seven-gear gold pan with yeah, the yeah. white nylon and the whole shot. Right. What's and a then gold there's pan? The chassis pan was a stamped piece of aluminum, and then it was anodized gold. Okay. Yeah, it's just standard. And then they've got a special edition clear version where mm. I guess you've got, the, I think I remember right, it's got the gold pan, but then all the white nylon parts are clear. So you can really see the gears and stuff. Hmm. Interesting. And the wheels no, are, I'm not going to buy wheel, The wheels are clear. Oh, that's just weird. Yeah. Remember, well, you, off topic, but Trevor probably would remember this because... He, I think he was a racer at one time way back in the day, too. We used to dye the parts. Remember that? Oh, yeah. To, to customize and make my car look different. Take that white nylon and turn it to... Uh, Rit dye, man. Yeah. yeah. Yellow, red, blue. There was a lot of pink back A in the mix day. of those colors. I think I had one that was like red on one side and yellow on the other. It was cool, man. I never liked to look myself, but... No? Yeah. I would see either white or black. Yeah. Anyway, off the car subject... <laughs> One more thing, uh, carbon fiber. Sandy. Ooh, yes. yes. That stuff's nasty. Very, very nasty. Nasty. Worse than fiberglass. Worse for you than fiberglass also. Microscopically, it's hook-shaped. It's yep. got barbs. Yep. So once it's in there, it's hard out. to get out. Nice thing about it, though, if there is a nice thing, is because it's so brittle, you can crunch it up into tinier little pieces that, so they don't bother you as much. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> Ask Reggie. Yeah, he, he had to go have it removed. Yeah, he had to have his removed because his was actually like sticking out of his skin. He found he was, it kept catching on his like sleeves and stuff. Oh, that was from when he got himself with I the guess so, yeah. fiber that propeller. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and that yeah, dust, you just don't want that stuff nope. in your lungs. Yep. Because it's there for good. Yep. And I meant to mention that earlier too. Um, I've noticed as I've gotten older that uh, I have developed a sensitivity to balsa dust. So when I'm sanding and there's a lot of it in the air, cough, wheeze, sneeze, all these great. Yeah, me too. So I bought a little, just one of those little paper particulate masks, and that really helps a lot. So yeah, um, if you get in the habit of using a mask when you're going to be generating a lot of dust or working with carbon fiber, like Dave says, um, that would be 
uh, beneficial habit to get into. Yeah, it's so simple. And they're super cheap. Yeah. And the one I have is actually really comfortable. You can squeeze the nose so that it doesn't fog up metal glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They're pretty comfortable. I mean, like, it's not as comfortable as not wearing one. Well, and you're not going to wear it for four hours straight. The N95s are not actually too bad as a dust mask. I'm not actually, I don't think I've ever had one of those on. Even when COVID was going on, I don't think I ever wore one. I just kind of have an unlimited supply. N95? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. I always had a gator. My elastic gator that would come out oh, and cover. Yeah. So, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, but they don't work half bad for what we do. Yeah. I don't think you want them wear them in an industrial setting, but. Yeah. Well, they're not going to stop like chemical vapors, no. let's be clear. For that, you would need a proper respirator, which if you're doing any but, spraying, if you're spraying things like lacquer thinner, or even if you're just using them, you know, the vapors from that stuff is pretty nasty. Crack too, a so. window and put a fan in it, yeah. blowing out. Yes. Proper yeah. ventilation yeah. is very important. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Same with, like, laser cutting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you're burning stuff, and who knows, like, if you're going to... Who knows what's in what you're actually burning. Yeah. There's carcinogens in there. Yeah, balsa yeah. dust is bad enough, but if you go laser cutting, I don't know, foam, who knows what's in that stuff, or PVC. PVC will give you <laughs> chlorine gas. That's not good. No. I think that's what you kill people with. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to be careful of that. Yep. I didn't know that when I first got my laser. I mean, I never L- cut PVC, right. but when you start looking into things that you can and cannot cut, you kind of have to be careful. Yes. Same with, there's a, uh, I don't know which one it is, but there's a type of clear, I don't know if it's acrylic or Lexan or which one, but you have to be careful cutting that too. Hmm. I'd, I'd have okay. to look into it again. I don't yeah. know what it was. I just know I don't have any. Well, I imagine any of it's probably not good for you. Yeah. It's just probably varying stages of badness. That's why whenever I cut, like I said, with the, it's nicely set up because that laser cutter, even though it's small, still creates a lot of smoke. Mm-hmm. It sits in its own little case, has the the fan that blows it out the window. Out. Yep. And there is, I mean, it's amazing when you stand, because the way our house is set up, I can see the window that that's blowing out of from the kitchen because yeah. it's in the garage. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how much smoke you see coming out of that when you're actually cutting. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. Anyway. Well, and, I mean, aside from the health issue, just the stink of the, of the stuff. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely got a smell of it. Yeah. It will Especially permeate. the falcata, like the yeah. falcata that we were using there for a while. Yep. I that stuff. Much of that. That stuff, real, well, we're still going to use it. Yeah. Eventually. That's great, but um, it has a smell. But, yeah, it, and it leaves a, like a residue after you're. Yeah. cutting it too which is odd yeah maybe there's like a resin in the wood and or something it could be that it could be speeds and feeds are not right either or we don't have a powerful enough laser i mean that's probably happens. what it is we you just need a, hitting that day. we just need a more powerful laser that's all there you go hit it properly that time <laughs> so, so yeah that's pretty much it i was gonna say the only thing i wanted to cover really quick on safety and it won't take long is batteries when you're charging Always make sure you stay with them and charge them in a battery-safe lipo bag, case, whatever. But, yeah. Agree. I mean, that's just, I have, knock on wood, never had a lipo go off on me, but I've heard a lot of people that have, and that doesn't seem fun. Yeah. And that fire, by the way, you, you cannot put that fire out with, like, a regular fire extinguisher. No. The chemical makeup of whatever, yeah, like, I don't know the, I'm it, not a chemist. It feeds itself. Yes. But, yeah. It says, like, Self-licking ice cream cone. It will just keep going <laughs> until it's gone. So That's, the only way uh-huh. to put out a lipo fire is uh, sand, right? You have to 
You no. Have to... No, there's a is a is a halon or halon oh, or you, whatever. There's a Oh, okay. So yeah, removing extinguisher. So removing the oxygen. The oxygen that okay. will stop it. Yeah. Yeah, because it somehow or another generates its own oxygen, but if you completely isolate it, it can't do that. Yeah. I I don't know enough. About I thought it. you had I thought that's why so many people had like the buckets of sand. Like you, you had to put it in a bucket of sand for whatever. Oh, reason. I don't know. I don't know. I just threw it like a hand grenade out in the middle of the road. <laughs> and let it do its thing until it was done. Yeah. I mean, if you ever want to see one of those go off, like watch BattleBots. Oh, I yeah. I was watching that the other day, and there was one hit that just took out a battery, and it, I could not believe how much smoke there was. Yeah. I mean. Oh, they smell really heavy. Yeah. I bet that stinks, too. I, yeah, I can't imagine. Like, I honestly, it. I will admit, I probably am not as safe at charging my batteries as I should be, because I will charge them upstairs on the counter. And But I figure I'm by a sink, I'm by a window I can throw them out, I'm by things that... Yeah might help me yeah. to You can drop them into the metal sink, and they're not going to burn anything around them. As yeah, long as there's nothing above yeah. it, they'll catch. We don't have a metal sink. Yeah. I at least... I at least... Metal? No, that's that. Whatever. I don't know what it is, but the plasticky sink thing, because it's that double-wide sink. Mm. Mm. Same yeah. as ours. Oh, no, ours are metal now. Yeah, we've got the stainless ones now. I don't know. i got a stainless sink, so I just... Yeah. I, I, I always charge mine on that ceramic plate. Yeah. And... I should probably take more precaution than just that, but yeah, I I mean I like will, I won't leave them alone, right? I will admit I will stay with them, and that's the nice thing about batteries that charge a little faster too. Is I'm not wasting so much time waiting for all those batteries or batteries to charge. Mm-hmm. That was the one thing I dislike so much about the old what was it the four S fifty two hundred packs I had two hours. By the time you actually got it to balance and all that stuff, you were right at two hours to charge it. Mm. And that's a long time for a single battery. But anyway, Agreed. I digress. That's not what the point is. But battery safety, safety in the shop, don't leave them unattended for sure, and then have a proper place to, to charge them. Yep. I agree. And fire extinguishers are a good idea. Yeah. For, just flat out common sense. Yeah, that's a hard one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> common. I mean, this coming, by the way, from the guy that glued his lips together. <laughs> <laughs> Live and learn. <laughs> Common sense says don't do that now. Common sense. <laughs> I'm not sure that we should call it common sense anymore because is it common really? I mean, maybe good sense. <sighs> yeah. Maybe maybe there's such a thing as good sense. But... Try and think before you do something. Yeah. Yeah. Think things through. But uh, but bottom line, we want we want everybody to to be around tomorrow to enjoy the hobby. So with majority of their digits, with all of their digits, hopefully. Um, well, I'm. I'm... Thanks. I know. Yeah, I appreciate that. I did it earlier, so I didn't want to hit him again. But yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Um, we want you all to be around to listen to next episode that we air. So be safe in the shop. Um, take your time. Slow down. Don't be a Tommy. Don't be a Tommy. Yeah, he's always in a hurry, and that's just a character flaw of his. And he puts holes in his own airplane before he's <sighs> ever flying. You see, he had to. Yeah. But you patched it very nicely with a piece of covering that's not the same color. So, for believe it or not, it's ultra coat. It's all ultra coat. It just doesn't freaking match. Really? Yeah. That does not. That's look... what happens when you, yeah, different lot numbers. Yeah, whatever. Wow. It didn't. It's not even close to matching. No. Nope. Yeah, those grays I got for the, uh, whatever it was, uh, they didn't match. Mm-hmm. So I ordered 
three rolls to start with, and then it was still short. Was that the value hobby stuff, though? Yeah. Was that... Well, it was not even value hobby. It was Joe Joe's. Joe's Covering Shop? <laughs> Amazon Special. <laughs> Actually, no, it wasn't even Amazon. It was eBay. Oh, boy. Amazon huh. heat shrink covering by Joe. That's what it was. Joe, Stay away from Joe's covering, folks. Sold on eBay. <laughs> yeah, they weren't even close. Yeah. All right. So that's all I got. I just wanted to hit the safety thing. Um, Be careful, I don't think everybody. We've, I don't think we've covered safety. I don't remember um, if we have. Yet. But if we haven't, never never a bad time to, to go over it again, to put it you know, yep. fresh in everybody's mind. Good deal. Are we going to do a wives episode? We should probably think about that. I, uh, that's probably actually next, isn't it? I think so because it's usually around first uh, of January. Usually, it's our first podcast of January, isn't it? No, first podcast was, of the year. I thought it was the last. Oh, was it the last? Either way. So today's the fourteenth because we're recording on a Thursday. That means tomorrow was when this releases the fifth. Yeah, so that's next episode. Next episode will be, be the, the wives, wives episode, episode. As long as they want to do it, I guess we need to talk to them about it. But we'll figure that out and yep. plan. It's always fun listening to them bash us. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's fun for our listeners, I mean. Oh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'm going to try and get Crystal to say she's proud of me for buying a jet. I don't know if that'll work. We'll see. Uh, you are not going to get Crystal to say she's proud of you for buying a jet. I've seen the looks. Yeah. If anything, you might get her to say she was she's okay. happy for you that you got a jet. You may have to settle for that. I'm going to try for proud, but we'll see. I know. This will be interesting. It's, it's a tall, better, better, tall yeah. order. Real good Christmas yeah. present for her. Right. <laughs> I'm not buying her anything. Anyway. So much for that idea. So much for that idea. We don't do presents between each other. Mm-hmm. There's no need to. That's what she tells you. We never have. <laughs> We're not that kind of couple. Okay. Last thing I want to say. Yes. Turn your soldering irons off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're in the shop working right now, listening to us babble on about safety. <laughs> if you're finished with it. If you're finished with it, turn, turn it off. off your soldering iron. Mine hasn't. My new one has an auto shut off. Nice. Well, Actually, it's not a shut off. It goes into sleep mode. And then if you jiggle it, it just turns itself back on. Well, that's fine. I well, love that. It turns itself off. Or at least down. Yeah. Yeah. It I've... takes it takes itself down to the very lowest setting, huh. which is like 150 degrees. It's like... Yeah, you can't hardly even burn yourself with that. Yeah, because I interesting. Like I said, I remember I've walked back in oh, yeah. hobby side and oh yeah, all three of us have done it. Yes, three yeah. weeks in the garage. That's yeah, that's the record. So we it's don't like want anyone out there trying out to beat that. I've never left a, a covering iron on though. Have you? No, I always yeah. unplug it. Me too. Yeah. Well, and maybe that's the difference. I actually unplug those, whereas a soldering iron stays plugged in. No, I unplug my soldering iron too, but I have left it on overnight before. Oh, just once. Well, and it scared the bejesus out of me because I got up at like in like two o'clock in the morning. I was like, "Oh my god, I forgot to turn the iron off." Well, what kind of iron do you have? Like, is it one that actually has its own little station that it docks mm-hmm. in? Yeah. So it stores inside yeah. of it. So yeah, that's mine was nice it. and safe. But yeah, yeah, but that's still, how mine is. I mean, the thing overheats, short circuits, and then I mean, who knows? Like, what yeah. falls on it? Or, or, yeah. Or, you know, the yeah. if I had a cat, the cat knocks it off, the whatever. I mean, there's lots of reasons to not leave it on. So turn your soldering iron off, you. What, what do you have, by the way, that turns off? What kind is it? I might want to get a new one then. Um, like, I'll really. have to look at my 
Yeah, know. let me know when you do that. It's some sort of weird Asian name, and it's really nice. Let me know, and we can talk about it next week if we remember to. Make a note on your note. Possibly a Tool of the Week episode. Perhaps. That way we can Iron. figure out what that one is. Soldering. <sighs> okay. Okay, I'm writing that down. Okay. Are we ready to sign off for yes. the evening? Yes. I'm good. Okay. Well, thank you for listening. Are, are th- I'm sorry, you're looking at me. Are you thinking? You're welcome. I listened not very well, much this time. You, you listened t- a lot. You can take it. Say goodbye. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> we're going to sign off now. I'm Tom. I'm Ron. And I'm Dave. That's, Good night. That's Good night. It's backwards. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.